do it. Do it. Beers with Nigel is poured for you by Dire Oil Graphics, promotional products and design. They cover your brand bumper to bumper with graphic design, promo products, and print. See what Dire Oil Graphics can build for you at direoil.com. That's D-Y-E-R-O-I-L.com. What the show calling bullshit. He just said he did his taxes today. You owe $34. $34. Yeah, That's I did mine today. Yeah, I did mine today. I owe two thousand. It's fine. <laughs> like I don't know what happened this year, but what it was a happened? good year. <laughs> Probably right. what happened was, you know what? Global pandemic. I didn't make a lot of money. There's that. <laughs> and and all the breweries I work at didn't close. So that means I was still making money. <laughs> Fuckers. You know, you know. <laughs> but look, you know. I, but none of it matters. I married rich. I married a teacher. I know you. Did. I'm like rolling in the dollar bills. No, I, I was cra- I was cracking up today. So I was doing my taxes, and you know, I work one day a week at Dimetric, and the the federal tax they took out was one penny. I was like, <laughs> 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 oh bloody hell! Uh, welcome to Beers with Nigel. I'm Nigel. That's Nick. I'm the other guy. He's the other guy. And welcome to the show, Ryan Triggs of Kansas Hop Co. What's up, bro? What's up, fellas? Thanks for having me on tonight, man. This is awesome. Oh, absolutely. I like I like that he's rocking the Royals cap. Even though my Royals are sucking horribly yeah. right now, I like that you've still got the cap. I mean, you, right. got, you know, your team is your team. Don't don't be a fucking homer. Nope. Not, no. Not a homer. What do you call it? A fair weather fan? Yeah, don't be a fair weather Bandwanger. Yeah. Ba- bandwanger. Bandwanger. <laughs> <laughs> in case anybody's wondering, Nigel and I are both primed. For tonight, I might have had two mezcal martinis <laughs> before have, I got we here. Might have individually had some drinks before, In, individually, and we're, now we're having more drinks. Right. Uh, we right. already we already announced that on the pre pre show. So yeah, Junior, you gotta listen to the pre show. Yeah. So t- uh, Ryan, what are you drinking, bro? Uh, I'm drinking a BKS a double double that features uh, some of our Canuck and Columbus hops in it, as well as their uh, standard double double dry hop base, which I believe is pretty citra forward. Uh, they kind of mix it up every once in a while, but uh, pretty cool to have our hops in this version. Yeah, uh, I just came out about two weeks ago, so enjoying that. Only got a couple left, so uh, looking forward to the next batch. Well, they may not make it through this episode. But right, right. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> you said Citra, that'll make Taylor Jones happy. Uh, shout yeah. out to Taylor Jones. You can't go wrong with Citra. It's no, it's, it's beautiful. Well, I, yeah. isn't isn't he uh, the the more hops, the better? Well, absolutely. I mean, I, 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 if you're not burning his throat, I don't know that he's happy. No, no, no. <laughs> um, we've said this before, but shout out to Junior, uh, Subarctic Citra Nelson from Alma Mater, great brewery in Kansas City. Uh, shout out to them for making great beer. On on the that's that's huge. I mean, that just tells you you're doing it correctly. So, Mister Triggs, tell us about you. Who are you? Okay, so uh, my background is kind of in the music industry, um, mostly on the supplier side. I, my father builds uh, custom instruments, uh, so I've been doing that with him for the past 20 years, mostly like archtop jazz guitars, uh, but pretty much anything with strings on it. We make uh, ukuleles and mandolins and banjos and electric guitars and acoustics and everything like that, uh, just all one, one at a time. We make like 30 or 40 a year um, in our shop in Lawrence. So been doing that for like 20 years with him. 
That's awesome. Yeah, uh, yeah that's a great. I didn't story. even know that was around here. Yeah, so he's been doing that since the seventies. Um, that's all he's ever done. Um, so that's I don't know. I'm just I'm not the kind of sit at a desk nine to five kind of guy. So being able to do that, and then I didn't grow up obviously in an agriculture background. I married into a farming family. Uh, my wife's family is from Ottawa, Kansas, which is where our farm is. And uh, her father, probably five or six years ago, was kind of getting ready to retire. And he has some land down there and wanted to get started with uh, some kind of like a hobby farm or something just to keep him busy after he uh, retired and left it up to us to approach him with kind of what we wanted to do. And we kicked around a bunch of different ideas and was that uh, we were on the patio at Casey Beer Co. Uh, this would have been the summer of 2015 and saw they had some hops just growing up uh, in some whiskey barrels, like up the side of the wall in their beer garden. And that was kind of our inspiration. We thought we'd just put in a little uh, test plot that following year, and it's kind of taken off from there. <laughs> that's the, that's, that's, the, uh, that's okay. the understatement of the day. So, right so you, here's the question. You yes. started with a test plot. How right. much are you growing now? Okay, so we started with a half an acre, um, which is a lot for a test plot. I was, say, I was thinking, you know, test plot. Like, a pot, yeah. like, like a little pot. You know, we did a little square, a little 20 by 20 maybe. Right. I mean, when, when people think about farming, you know, you think about like row crops, like wheat and corn, where one person can farm like a thousand acres. But hop farming is very labor intensive, a lot of hands-on work. So it's pretty much like gardening. Um, so our first year was like having a half acre garden. Um, and we've slowly expanded uh, over the last six years. We're now at three acres uh, right now, which is the most we can do kind of on a hobby level. Uh, we're down there all the time on the weekends, you know, whenever we have free time, it's, it's uh, pretty time consuming. What is, the, what, what is the, uh, what's the time consuming part? What is it that's different about hop farming than, than other farming? Okay. So typically with like corn or soybeans or wheat, you know, you just plant it in the spring and harvest it in the fall. Um, with hops, you have to kind of cut everything back. Uh, you don't want those initial shoots that emerge in February and March. Uh, they can overwinter mildew. So you got to cut those back a couple times. And then um, you're kind of working backwards on your schedule for the growing season from your ideal harvest date. So um, that kind of takes some time to figure out, uh, especially being in a non-traditional growing region. We can't go yeah. based off of what they're doing in Yakima or Michigan or Germany. Um, so we've had to kind of figure out when to let our plants go, when to harvest them. And each variety is a little bit different. And uh, even from year to year, it can be different based on uh, the climate. So there's a lot of, uh, to get back to your question, um, we have to string, we hang strings down from these 18 foot tall trellis. Uh, so we have to, tie those by hand, clip them into the ground by hand. Then we have to train the hop vines individually around each one. Uh, so there, I think we did like 18,000 vines that we trained so far this year, all by hand. Yeah. Um, Just a little bit of work. Yeah. And there's only three of us that do most of it. So yeah, um, it's uh, so that's pretty time consuming. And then harvest um, once we start in August, all the way through about mid September harvest and processing um, all that's very uh, labor intensive as well. So let's let's back up a little bit because we yeah. we put the cart in front of the horse here. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I got curious. I I, I I knew you'd be curious, <laughs> dude. <laughs> when I went to the hop farm, I was blown away. I was like, um, I want to do this. 
It, you know, because I love manual labor. But anyway, let's 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 back up. So yeah. you uh, you obviously love craft beer. I yes. mean, you, you know, you're you're supplying a bunch of breweries with your with your hops. You know, we always go back to this question: What was the beer that you remember when you were younger? You were like, "Oh shit, this isn't Miller Lite or Budweiser or Coors Light." What what was your what was your what was your entry level uh, craft beer? You think? Uh, the first one for me, so probably like in high school, you know, my buddies would work at the golf course. They'd bring like hot Boulevard Pale Ale or whatever home. So that wasn't very enjoyable. It was probably you know a month old and wasn't stored properly. So. My first really kind of like gotcha moment was at Free State Brewing in Lawrence. Yeah. Uh, my dad, my dad, who's just always been like a macro lager drinker, um, he had some friends that were that would go there every Friday night. And we met them there. And I had never had any kind of like local fresh craft beer off, off of a tap or anything at that time. And I remember I ordered an oatmeal stout, which, you know, at that time, like right before that, I was drinking like Keystone Light. You, you ordered the oatmeal stout. From, Why? From, Why? From Keystone Light to oatmeal stout. Yeah, uh, that's just what he recommended. You know, that's what he drank. My dad's buddy. Uh, his name and you Keith. were and you were like, okay, I, I trust yeah, you. Yeah, I didn't know. I'm looking at this stuff. And, you know, on their menu, it's like amber ale and pale ale and all this stuff. I didn't know anything about craft beer. So uh, obviously, complete game changer. You know, uh, everything about an oatmeal stout just kind of like flipped me on my head. Oh yeah. Um, so that was my first true experience with craft beer um, where I kind of got a feel for like how different it was from what I was used to. Gotcha. Hold on. Hold on. I got one. No, that was, <laughs> I thought I was going to burp. It was like, that, that was terrible. That was a lot of buildup. Yeah. I'm sorry to disappoint you guys. I'm sorry. That's what she said. <laughs> so, you know, you, you got in. You got into craft beer. Yep. Um, I don't know much about your history. I, you know, I did. Were you ever a home brewer? What, what? 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 You know, because obviously there was. You had that. You had that beer, and right. now you're a hop farmer. There was. A, there was a whole story in the middle of that that yeah. we don't know. Give us that. Yeah. There was about a 15 year journey, probably from between those two points. Um, so. I went to school in Manhattan for a little while, then I moved to Lawrence and. Uh, just there was kind of a built-in like beer culture in Lawrence. Yeah. Um, just with like people that like to ride bikes and go hiking. They'd grab a growler from Free State. Um, at the time was, you know, there was only like two or three breweries. I think there's like eight or nine there now. But anyways, uh, it what, was year just, we, like, what year are we talking about? This would have been like early 2000s, like 2003, 2004. Yeah, I think that was probably uh, the three, Free State was probably the only one, I bet. Yeah, there was one called Brown Bear Brewing that had just gone out right before that. And then uh, it's it's called uh, 23rd Street now. Before that, mm -hmm. it was 7th Street. Before that, it was Emerson Diggins. Um, so that was kind of a brew pub. They were more restaurant-focused. Right. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. Just um, I kind of got in with some of my dad's buddies, who I mentioned before, who would go down there all the time. And uh, I just love the vibe in a brew pub. There was this energy that I had never really experienced before and just watching people interact and like the community aspect of it was something I just fell in love with. And then yeah. um, at that time I was listening to a lot of like bluegrass and jam bands and I would go to a lot of music festivals and uh, you know, new Belgium would like sponsor a lot of them. So uh, just kind of craft beer was all around based on like the things that I was doing. Um, so that's kind of how I fell in love with it. And 
you know, I've never, never turned back for the last 20 years. Uh, so that kind of got, got me to where I'm at now. That's awesome. That's so cool. I, was it an easy then kind of when you did start farming to then just kind of start talking to all the local breweries and yeah. So I had already had a relationship um, with a few just from like being at breweries frequently. Um, you know, I'm, I've been, I've mentioned free state a lot, but they're, they're the, kind of the first guys I approached about it. Cause I knew them pretty well just from hanging out there uh, so long. And uh, yeah. So that first year, I think we didn't, the yields are really low on first year plants, but I just reached out to like eight or 10 breweries and they all sh- showed interest. And once we kind of had some, some hops to offer, I think the first four breweries bought all of that first year out. Um, so they went really fast. We didn't have that much to offer, but they went really yeah. fast and uh, they all, we weren't processing at that time. So they were all just like wet hop, fresh hop beers. Great. Which at that time, <laughs> no one was really, I mean, there was a few breweries around here that would fly them in from Yakima overnight or whatever, but that's right. so prohibitive. So no one was really doing wet hop beers around here that time other than Boulevard. Uh, I think they use wet hops in their nutcracker. Uh, but yeah, so it's been really cool to see kind of the evolution of, you know, started off as wet hop beers featuring local hops. And then as we started processing, getting into being able to offer hops year round uh, in pellet form. Well, so here's, I, I'm real curious about this. You're, you're up to three acres. You're, curi- three you're acres very and, curious. Yeah, I've got a lot. I'm real curious about He's got a lot of questions. I got a lot. Um, but you got up to three acres now. So I'm trying to figure out, you know, how much does that, I mean, I'm not a brewer, so I don't, I don't know all the ratios and quantities of making, but yeah. I can't imagine that three acres can supply a whole lot of beer in the area. I mean, how, what's that? How does that, how does that equate? Okay, so uh, I would, I would guess we're a little over a thousand pounds an acre. So say 3,200 pounds total. Um, average beer is about two pounds per barrel. So okay. you're looking at 1,600 barrels of beer. A lot of beer. Uh, That's a lot of beer. Yeah. So, I mean, it's quite a bit for, I mean, most of our customers are pretty small breweries, anywhere from one to maybe 10 or 15 barrels max. So um, it goes a long way. Okay. Um, for example, like Boulevard, I think they're making what, like two hundred or three hundred barrel <laughs> Right, there's right. that. There's that. <laughs> I so just for I, reference, because a lot of people, yeah, yeah, for reference. Yeah, yeah, no, I was, yeah, I was just trying to figure that out. Like, what does that really equate to as far as yeah. how much you can you can serve yeah. as far as serving the breweries around here? Because there's, I mean, look, fifty eleven. We keep, le- we keep getting more and more breweries here, 50, 50, which is 50, awesome. What's fifty eleven? That's a shit ton. That's a shit ton. So <laughs> I'm curious. You know, you were a beer drinker. You know the breweries. How did you? I know you said you mar- you, you married into into a, a farming family, right? At what point did you like? You know what? I'm going to start growing some hops. Where did? Where did? I mean, it, it, had that been something in the back of your mind, or or what? what give us that story. Yeah. So my my dad comes from not him personally, but like his grandparents were farmers. So I was around that a little bit when I was really young. But he's always been like really into gardening and things like that. So I've always kind of been into working outside in the dirt with plants and things like that. And, you know, making fresh uh, meals with stuff that you just picked five minutes ago, things like that. um, Yeah. And then just like I said, uh, marrying into an ag, an ag family, uh, just being, you know, out in the country and things like that just felt really natural to me. I grew up in the suburbs, you know, and then I lived in a couple different college towns, but, 
um, it just felt uh, felt like home being out in the country. Yeah. And it's something that uh, just an opportunity that was presented to us. And I was like, man, this is awesome. If we could supply a local ingredient to these craft breweries in the area, because at that time, you know, in 2015, there weren't that many breweries around here compared to what. Right. They, yeah. Yeah, exactly. That was like right when Torn Label and Double Shift. Yeah. And those guys were kind of just opening up. So um, we kind of came in at that same time, right when that kind of explosion started taking off in Kansas City. Um, so it's been really cool to get to grow alongside those guys who have, who have been our customers as well. So so when you were drinking beers, were you were you thinking about different types of hops? I mean, obviously now you it's you think about it all the time. What right. what got you interested? Because you know most people, you know, aside from Taylor, shout out Taylor Jones, he loves his Citra. <laughs> you know, most people, you know, they might know the name of a hop, but they don't really think about it. You know what I'm saying? Right. I mean. Yeah. What, 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 how'd you get in that vein of the shit? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I didn't, I, I don't, I didn't homebrew ever. So I, I wasn't really familiar with all the different varieties and what their attributes were. And then, you know, just doing tons of research on, on hops in general, I found out, you know, there's public varieties and private varieties. So, right. yeah. you know, at the time I'm like, Oh, we'll just throw in a bunch of galaxy and Citra, you know, we're going to kill it. And then, you know, you start reading, it's like, you can't even get those plants if you want to. They're patented, only certain yeah. farms can grow those varieties. So I'm like, okay, what can we grow? So I, I get the list of all the public varieties that we can grow, like Cascade, Chinook, Columbus, Centennial, whatever. And so I started asking breweries around here, like, hey, um, which ones of these would you be interested in if we were able to grow them? So uh, made a huge list, probably 20 different varieties, uh, took detailed notes on the feedback we got from the breweries. And then we reached out, there's a hop breeding program in Michigan that kind of caters towards growers on this side of the Rocky mountains. Cause it's completely different conditions than out in Yakima or the Willamette Valley. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Anyways, we kind of got some feedback from them like, Hey, we're going to be growing at, you know, this latitude, which is uh, a lot lower than where traditional growing regions are. You know, here's what our, our climate is, uh, things like that. And they said, here, try these few varieties. So uh, Cascade is obviously a workhorse variety. It can pretty much grow anywhere. But we, that first year we did Cascade, Columbus, uh, Centennial, and Chinook, I believe, were the four. And everything but Centennial did, did pretty well. So, um, yeah, I mean, those. it's been interesting because when we planted those, people were really into it. Then some of those varieties have kind of fallen out of favor. If you pay attention at all to like hot variety acreage in the Pacific yeah. Northwest, I mean, Cascade just has been getting ripped out like crazy to put more citra in. But uh, it's um, it's been interesting now, like the last couple of years, West Coast IPAs are coming back. So yes. things like Chinook and Columbus um, are starting to become trendy again, which, you know, we've just been fortunate that those were the varieties that we've grown, but we've definitely seen some more interest in varieties over the last year or so. Were there any that you, you found you, you couldn't do just because of, you know, climate yeah. where, where you're thought, at? That, that, was, that was my question. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Cause I'm yeah, sure there were some yeah. of the brewers were like, we want this and you, and you're like, yeah, I, I can't do that here. Yeah. So there'd be some, cause, cause it's super humid here, obviously compared to Yakima where they're growing in like a high desert climate. Um, so some varieties are super uh, susceptible to mildew, uh, downy mildew in particular. So we try to avoid some of those, um, even one right now that we're growing cashmere, uh, which has been 
kind of gaining some steam. Um, it has some mildew prevention. So we have to spray a preventative fungicide every seven to 10 days during the growing season for that. Um, How long is that growing season? So we kind of let them, we do our final cutback in about mid April and then uh, harvest mostly in August. So it's about four months. And you're, and you're spraying every seven days, seven to 10 days. Yep. Wow. That's a lot of work. Well, let's, let's see what, what's, what kind of hops are in this mystery beer. What we got in the bag. So, what's you know, if you follow along, we do mystery beers. You've, you've, you've seen the bag, right? Yep. Um, one of these days when we get Tony on the, that Tony who stole the bag, I haven't replenished the, uh, stole, uh, repurposed. I haven't uh, got, gotten new bags yet, so we're still rocking the dirty. The dirty. We've had those bags for like a year. <laughs> They're seasoned. seasoned. As they are seasoned. As as are we. <laughs> we're not old. We're seasoned. There's there's a difference. Ooh, Martin City peanut butter porter. You know, shout out to Martin City though. Um, Is that the best beer club deal? Oh, the oh, the, you know about the beer club at Martin City? I don't think so. Twenty four dollars, twenty four beers a month, twenty percent off the food, two for one beers, t shirt, uh, glass, and koozie. <laughs> and so you get is, you, that, is that draft or cans? No, no, it's all cans. cans. It's all to go okay. shit. Okay, so you just go yeah, pick yeah. one. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so a dollar a beer plus all the other stuff. Yes, it's great. Oh, yeah, that, that peanut butter hits you fast. We need to we need to get them on the podcast, uh, Matt Moore. We need to get him. I, you know, because they, you know, they're kind of a, at this point, they're probably second oldest to Boulevard. I think they're seven. I think they're seven years old. They're super old. Look, look, <laughs> you, you you don't want to bring that up. We got corrected last time we tried to do the birthdays. The birthdays of we tried to, last time we tried to do the who's the oldest and well, then yeah. I went down to I went down to uh, Red Crow and and Red Crow's been there since 2014. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. I can smell that beer from here. Uh, I, I think Big Rip's they, Big Rip was pretty early. I think there's, I think there's seven as well. I think yeah. Big Rip and and uh, and uh, uh, Martin City are about the same age. Yeah, I remember Martin City opened in, I want to say like, yeah, maybe twelve or thirteen, but they were just, they didn't have their brewing license at first. They were just served, they were just like a craft beer bar. Until That's really good. That's a nice beer. That is a very That's nice beer. Uh, he might be able to smell that one from through here the, through hey, the internet. Hey, Junior. Um, so Junior is, is one of one of the regulars that comes to uh, to uh, Windshift. Okay, and you know if we don't shout out the beer, what's the ABV on that? He That's five point five. Five point five peanut butter porter, delicious beer. <laughs> so you know now now you're in you're in the hop game. Yep. And you know when I when I came out to the hop farm, I had so many. I was just it was it was like. You, you know, I need to go out there. Yeah, you know, you I know how you really want to see. You know, this. when you're like in seventh grade and you go on a field trip, <laughs> were, you, were you there? It was like that. There was so much. There was so much going on. So you got into it, and then yeah, you, you know, the first year you didn't have the yield. You know, right. fast forward forward now, you look back at the process. What's that like for you to be like, wow, we actually fucking did this? Uh, it's extremely gratifying. Our goal was always like maybe 800 pounds an acre. And this year, like on, on our cascade, we got like 1600, Oh so, wow! which is almost, I mean, that's like commercial. I think up in Yakima, they're getting like maybe 18. So we're, uh, we're pretty close. Uh, so, I mean, there's been so much trial and error 
on the timing, on like our fungicide program, on our fertilizer program. I mean, there's just so much go that goes into it. And uh, it's been awesome to see how far we've come in such a short period of time, but we still have so much to learn. Yeah. Uh, it's, you know, when we first started doing this, we we're just like, man, you can't go to school to like learn how to do it. You just have to do it. No, no. You got to screw up and then figure it out and do a little bit better next year. And a lot of these, there's been so much consolidation in the hop industry. So I think right now there's only like 40 or 50 farms in the Pacific Northwest and they're all like 1200 acres is the average. So just massive. I mean, like I said, we're at three acres and it's a ton of work and they're 400 times bigger than that. Yeah. But, you know, they're doing it full time and they have this huge staff and all that. But still, yeah. uh, it's been uh, it's been great. I mean, the best thing and as you guys know, just dealing with people in the industry, it's just like the people you get to hang out with and talk to and everyone's yeah. so supportive in the craft brewing industry. And that's been the best part. And this has just been another way for us to, to kind of get to interact with those people and then also to see there's kind of a mutual admiration, you know, when they come yeah. out. Yeah. And see, especially the guys that have been with us yeah. since day one, that see how far we've come and know how much work we put into it. Uh, so that's that's the best part is just kind of having somebody maybe that hasn't come out for like two or three years and they see the farm just like, oh my god, like yeah. you, guys are, you guys are killing it. So um, yeah, I mean it's going really well, but like I said, we still got a lot to learn, and uh, we just want to get a little bit better every year. I feel like the the important question here. Because you said, you know, this was the whole idea started with the here, father. Here we, here we go. Father-in-law <laughs> wanted to have a hobby farm. Does your father-in-law still talk to you? Like, is it actually a hobby or is he a little mad at you right now because it's too successful? No, I mean, he loves it. He's he's not the kind of guy that'll just like sit on the couch and watch TV. So he's always wanting something to do. So, you know, we're down there, uh, I don't know, during the growing season, maybe twice a week. But he's out there every day, you know, doing a lot of the fertilizer and irrigation and a lot of the spraying and just like scouting for pests, things like that. So he's out there, I don't know, probably a couple hours a day, just checking on everything. Um, How much did you lean on his, his farming knowledge there in the beginning? Yeah. So I, you know, like I said, I have no farming background at all. So my father-in-law lifetime farmer, also kind of a genetics specialist with like creating hybrid hybrid soybeans and hybrid corn and things like that. Uh, yeah, he's, he's got an awesome, awesome mind. And obviously he had all the equipment, that a lot of it that we needed. And then my brother-in-law, who's our other partner, he uh, comes from a horticulture background. And does, you're winning. Yeah, he does. Well, you had, you had the right team. Yeah, we got really lucky. I mean, I, I like I said, I, I wasn't bringing much to the table other than just like. <laughs> just like Being in the family. I, mean, I, I like beer and hops. I, like right. I know a couple of brewers. Like, let's go to <laughs> Um, but it's gone really well. Um, so yeah, we've, we've got a good, a good group. And then, uh, around harvest time, we rely on some friends and family to help us out as well. So yeah, definitely kind of lucked into the, the trio that we have, uh, but it's been working really well for us so far. So, you know, when I came out, you guys were harvesting the hops, right? Yep. Explain that process. Cause it's, I don't, I don't know what you call that machine. So, you know, they, Explain that, and then and you go to the area where, where like separate. Give us that kind of give us a visual of, and what happens once you get them off the vines. Okay, so uh, for those that don't even know like what hops are or how, they, yeah, I didn't even realize they were vines. Like, yeah, <laughs> so they're these massive vines. Um, they're technically called vines with a B, based on how they grow, how they uh, climb. 
but um, they're these massive columns are like two or three feet across and they grow 18 feet tall. Um, so we cut that whole plant down, put it on a trailer and drive it over to a stationary harvester. So it's called a wolf harvester. Uh, that's the name of the, that's the brand name. It was built in Germany in the 1970s. And basically you just put the whole plant in horizontally and there's a series of, uh, fingers that kind of rip all the cones and leaves off the main vine. And then there's uh, air pushing through there and these like dribble belts. So all the leaves go up and over and the cone pop cones, the little flowers roll down and off on a conveyor. So it cleans it really nice. Um, our first year, for example, we handpicked, uh, which is what they say you're supposed to do. And you do, you can do like one plant in an hour and this uh, machine will do up to 170 an hour. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah I mean, it, if you're going to grow on any kind of scale other than just a few plants in your back backyard, you have to have some sort of harvesting machine. So uh, that thing's been a lifesaver for us. Uh, we bought it from a farmer in Colorado that was going out of business. So uh, very fortunate to find that when we did. And uh, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's an amazing machine to watch. That's for sure. It's, 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 it's I'm telling you, it's a, it's like you're seventh grade and we're going on a field trip. It's it's some I was I took so many goddamn pictures of video. I have I've got slow motion video of the shit coming out when the hops come out. Are we gonna get a Nigel produced video out of this? Well, no, we're gonna go, we're gonna go, we're gonna go on a field trip. Yep. Duh. I mean, it's 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 great. Um, <laughs> so I want to rent I want to rent a bus though. If it's a field trip, I want to ride a bus. Okay. We're, we're, no, we're gonna. <laughs> you know what? You know. You know what? You know what he's getting, Ryan. Ryan he's getting the short bus. It's fine. All right. <laughs> Ain't the first time. So, <laughs> what what varieties are you guys growing out there right now? Okay, so mostly, probably eighty percent of our hop yard is Cascade, Columbus, Chinook, and Comet. Um, and then. Just to kind of explain our Chinook, traditionally Chinook grown in the Pacific Northwest is kind of piney um, and ours has a lot more fruit character to it. Depending on the picking window and when we harvest it, um, it can have pineapple, uh, melon, grapefruit, all, all different kinds of, kinds of notes. So that's been really awesome for us. Um, people use that a lot in IPAs and pale ales. Um, and is that then, just because of the area? Is that just because of you know the, what's in the soil and the yeah, stuff around yeah. here? It's all based on the soil. So um, a lot of a lot of brewers are, are pretty familiar with Michigan Chinook because uh, it was in Michigan. They're probably five or ten years ahead of us, so they were kind of the first place to realize, like the wine industry, that terroir was also uh, something that that is true in hops as well. So yeah. Um, and it's taken a little while for people to kind of wrap their minds around that. You know, when we say we grow Chinook, we have to tell them up front, you know, don't use this as a during hop, you know, in a whatever, 8% double IPA. Like it's got some really nice yeah. fruit that you don't want to burn off. You know, you might want to use it in the whirlpool or the dry hop or something like that. So what, what was there? What I was out on the farm and there were, there was a hop that you had that, you know, you know, you, you kind of, you know, you grab it and you, break it up and smell it and get the oils out. There was one that smelled like fucking like rock candy. What was that? Uh, I think that was triumph. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so we just did a little test on that. We did, we grew 17 plants of that last year. Um, I believe that variety was released in 2018 from Oregon state. So um, recently as private varieties have kind of increased 
um, there hasn't been much, many new public varieties that have been released since we started growing. So uh, it was awesome to have a new one that was available to us. And that's also uh, tricky depending on the, the pick window. Cause I remember Tony came out by himself before you guys came out and he was getting a lot of like lemon lime out of it. Right. And then uh, it switched to kind of some coconut notes. And then when you guys came out, yeah, it was like bubblegum, cotton oh. candy. Uh, yeah. And that's just, it, that's just based on, on stages of the growth cycle. Yep. It's as it matures. So different oils kind yeah. of, there's 200 different oils or something. That's crazy to me. No, it was, it was literally, I would, that's like, I don't it, know, that's it was, cool it was, science. it was like candy. It was, it was, I was like, oh my God, make a beer with us now. <laughs> it was beautiful. We're actually, we're ripping out some of our Columbus and uh, putting in a lot more Triumph this year. So, uh, so, it's, it's, so, it's, so are there some breweries that will, that will want to take it at different times then to get those different flavors? Yeah. So if, I don't know if you're familiar, but like in Yakima, they do hop selection. So all these huge yeah. breweries like Bell's, um, you know, I don't know, Sierra Nevada, they go up there because they know their beer needs to be consistent year to year. That makes so right. much beer. Right. So they go and they, they check out all these different lots. They'll go like through Simcoe or Citra or whatever. They're like, okay, this was picked on August 19th. This was picked on August 23rd, so-and-so. And then they'll go through and they'll figure out which one smells like the beer that they need to make. And they'll pick that one because they can change within just a few days. Um, so depending on the harvest window on certain yeah. varieties, they can have uh, different aroma and flavor notes. Is that the kind of thing that you're you're doing yet, or is that are you not there yet? There yet? Yeah, we're just growing. now. It's taken some time to figure that out, but we're just now getting into that. And you know, when I first started doing this, I didn't have a very good like sensory. I, I didn't know what the hell I was smelling, right? So, um, you know, Honesty is beautiful. Smells like beer. You know, we're vulnerable on this show. It's okay. Um, but it's been awesome to have the brewers that have been doing it for a long time come out and give us because I don't know what I'm smelling sometimes unless somebody tells me what it is. Right. So now you know I'll have these guys come out and they're like, "Oh, this smells like that," and then I can I can be like, "Okay, now I know what that is," um, and then that helps me. When I when I'm talking to breweries that are like that haven't been out to our farm or haven't used our hops yet, then I can explain. Okay, if you if depending on when you do when we do our harvest, this is what these hops are going to smell like when you use them in your beer. So uh, that's been very beneficial for me, and I'm you know picking up on my sensory analysis a little bit every year. So what's it been like? You know, obviously you're known in the Kansas City area. What was it like to to approach the first brewery? Like, yo, I got some hops. You want some? <laughs> <laughs> Was that was that daunting? You're were, like, were you standing on a corner when you did that? <laughs> <laughs> well, before we even started, we went to this seminar up in Wisconsin, and uh, they were kind of telling us all about it. And they're like, "Don't take your hops in like a black trash bag, you know, like, <laughs> put them in your trunk. Use it as a brown paper bag." <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, you only have one chance to make that first impression. But uh, you come with a trash bag. They're like, "What's that weed?" Right. And yes, local is awesome, right? But like for these breweries, it's got to be quality. So yes, uh, we we learned that before we even got started. It's like you have to have a quality product. Local will get you in the door the first time, but if you're just offering shit, yeah, some bullshit, yeah, you're not going to get back in. So yeah. um, we've always taken our presentation and our processing and everything like that very seriously. We invested in the right kind of equipment. So when we uh, do our packaging and all those types of things. 
they're all industry standard and what brewers are used to from dealing with, you know, the huge farms and brokers out West. Have you, Hold on. you get the next question. Cause you know what? Has this ever happened before? I have got to pee. This is, I think, just two in a row. Actually, did I pee it's last week? I feel, I feel, I feel like, I feel like this is two shows in a row. Okay, I got to pee. You can, you can handle it. <laughs> there we go. I, I might, he's, I, I he's might a, do this. Regularly. He's a professional podcaster. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, I'm the other guy. It's not going to take long. Ask a quality question. Don't, <laughs> yeah, quality. don't fuck it up. <laughs> don't, don't fuck up, man. Don't fuck up. So now here's what I want to know though is are you are you have you had some some breweries kind of outside the area some that kind of shocked you it was like hey we want to come check out what you've got yeah um, so our footprints kind of gradually expanded now we're kind of getting into like Oklahoma which I've got to talk to Nigel about quite a bit since he used to live down there but yeah I forgive yeah. him for that right yeah we won't hold that against him but no, actually man been- I did not realize until doing this with him there's a lot of great beer in oklahoma absolutely yeah i was just down there doing some deliveries like two months ago and um got a visit with some of those guys and uh the brewing scene i wasn't i was in tulsa but there's it's kind of like the crossroads is is in kansas city they're like there's a whole bunch of them right next to each other they're all really good buddies and they help each other out and um so yeah i was just blown away by the amount of breweries the the beer quality down there is really solid and Obviously, it's a little bit warmer down there, so they all have these killer outdoor spaces. Um, just a really good like brewery vibe. Um, so I was on like a work trip, just delivering hops, so I didn't get to like hang out and drink beer. But I definitely want to go down on a weekend sometime where I can actually enjoy it. Right. Yeah. So how how is, how hard is it to to I guess expand your your market and your well, your market reach really is is the word right beyond. Yeah beyond our, our metro area brewery yeah, for you to get, get to those others. Is that, is it difficult as a small um, guy? Yeah, it can be just because we can't offer like free shipping or now a lot of the like BSG, for example, a lot of these guys will get bulk grain orders and then they just throw their hops in with it. So they're not paying any extra for shipping and things like that. And you know, it, that adds up. And also our hops, you know, just due to economy of scale, we can't compete on price with the farm that has a thousand acres. Right. 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 um, You know, we're charging more per pound for hops and then delivery charges. I, I try to deliver for free, but you know, that's not always possible. So shipping, but I mean, people are into just trying different stuff and supporting local as much as they can. And yeah, I just found out the other day, I think like the, I believe it was the USDA, they consider local like four hours which I, I thought it would be like 30 minutes or something, but that's awesome. So yeah, you know, we have people reach out from like Northwest Arkansas and Oklahoma and uh, you know, over towards St. Louis and things like that. And uh, they're interested in what we're doing. And you can give, you can give St. Louis all your bad hops. <laughs> he hates St. Louis. No, car, he hates, he hates car. He hates cards fans. That's, yeah, that's what it is. It's really? I, I don't, I don't hate St. Louis. It's just the baseball fans. <laughs> Yeah, so it's been kind of a gradual thing as far as our our expansion, and um, the one awesome thing has been we've been selling to homebrewers. We offer smaller quantities for homebrewers, so yeah. there's a lot of people that either have family that live here, or people that live here that have family somewhere else that are homebrewers, so they buy hops from them, or people that used to live in Kansas City 
that know about us but live somewhere else. So we've been shipping all over the place, all over the U.S. Uh, we also have a, a guy that imports our hops that lives in uh, Italy. Oh, uh, shit. Wow. Yeah. So he he has a homebrew shop and he buys from a lot of kind of farms like us from all over the United States. That's smart, um, actually. Yeah, so that's a good that's, business model. That's been cool. I got some. I got some hops from the states, bitches. Is there is there anything? I, I, like, I guess is there anything that you can you can say you offer just because of of where you're growing that's different than everybody else, and because you're doing such a small that you can say you know our hops are this that you can't get anywhere else. And like, is there any? Is there something that kind of is you've been able to really key on in your pitches? Yeah, so I guess our biggest selling points number one are just the relationship. You know, a lot of these guys are just getting on a computer or getting on their phone and pushing a button and then the hops are showing up a week later or whatever. So, I mean, that's great. And those huge farms, they're killing it on a consistency level and a quality level. But just to have that human interaction and then they can pass that on to their customers like, hey, we went out to the farm. We talked to this guy. Or I can go in and and talk to the customers sometimes when there's tap releases and things like that. Um, So that's the that's number one is just the the relationships. Um, number two is just having feedback. You know, um, most farmers sell to a processor and then they sell to a grower right. and it's this huge conglomeration. So you don't really know a lot of times like what farm the hops are coming from and they're all blended together. Um, so just having transparency on like where the hops are coming from. Um, and then we also go straight from harvest. We dry, which takes about two days, and then we process. So we can offer pellets that are that were the hops were hanging in the field 48 hours prior. So in in Washington and Oregon, they have so much volume, they harvest everything and bale it, and then they don't process for like maybe two or three more months after oh, that. Oh shit! Wow. Yeah. So they just sit in these huge 200 pound bales in cold storage until right. like November, December. Um, so that's one good way for us to get a leg up. And then also, uh, like we talked about a little, little bit earlier is the, just the wet hop beers. Um, you can, I, I mentioned you can, you can import them, um, from Yakima or Oregon or wherever, but you got to overnight them and they, they start to degrade within about two hours. Yeah. So yeah. for us, we pick them and then either the brewery comes and picks them up or I'll deliver them to a brewery and they're in the kettle within maybe an hour or two tops of when we picked them and uh, you just can't compare the freshness and the flavors and aromas that you get out of wet hot beers that were literally in the field an hour before. Yeah. So that's kind of what I want to know just as the newbie, like the differences between those, those fresh wet hop and the dried and the pellets. Yeah. And the pellets. Cause I, I, those those are things I don't know. Were we separated at birth? We were, we were about to ask the same question for the second time. Look, no, train, no because I don't, train journalists. I don't, I don't know if that's a fucking trained journalist. Dumbasses. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but those are the same. Because I've about. seen, you know, I've seen, you know, the wet hops and all that. But I, I'm curious about, you know, the getting it to to pellet form. What's that process? Okay, so um, after we strip the hops off the plant, uh, they go into a huge dryer. Um, traditionally, hops are dried in a kiln where they add heat because they have so much volume to push through and Yakima, they don't have time to slow dry them like we do. We don't add any heat. So it takes us anywhere from 24 to 36 hours to dry our hops. Cause when you pick them, they're 80% moisture content, roughly right. and dry them down to anywhere from eight to 12% depending on variety. Are so, you hanging it like tobacco in the old days? 
<laughs> no, uh, we just have like a massive uh, table pretty much with sides four foot deep and we just pack them in there. It's got a false bottom with mesh screen and then we're pulling air through there with a grain bin fan. Okay. And then we've got some commercial grade uh, dehumidifiers in there and things like that to help take the moisture out. But uh, yeah, so as soon as they're dry, then we run them through a hammer mill, just kind of pulverize them into the like a powdery substance. And then uh, we've got a pellet mill. So we dump that powder into a pellet mill and it makes the pellets, which for those that aren't familiar, look like rabbit food, kind of green rabbit food. Or rabbit poop. Or rabbit poop. <laughs> or rabbit poop. Little That's tiny that. little pellets. Yep. So, what, so, so this is kind of a sidebar question. You know, we've talked about this on this show before. We know hops and cannabis are in the same family. That's right. You know, what, what's your thought? <laughs> you know, I, I think I said this last time. You know, hops are, you know, if, you, if they were living in the same house, hops live on the top floor. The weed is on the basement. They don't. And then, <laughs> well, there there is there is a component that's missing in the hops. Touche. <laughs> but 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 they're 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 in the same family. They are it's, the same family. You know, that's yeah. I, I wonder why. Huh? Go ahead. I think there's only two in the family as well. There's only two in the family. It's a small ass family. Yeah. <laughs> is, Nick, there, is there an Arkansas joke coming? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Beer for ball games, off-color brewing. Where's that out of? Uh, Nebraska, maybe? I don't know. It's an American-style cream ale. I'm not going to let you down, Junior. I thought that was like St. Louis or Illinois or something. It might be. It's 4.2%. Yeah. Chicago, Illinois. There it is. Chicago. Okay. I, love the, I love the artwork on this, though. No, it's, it's great artwork. They've been yeah, doing all those series. There's like beer for golf and beer for all the yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you watching? Are you watching what you're doing? That was a terrible show of the beer. That was a terrible. You show were too close to the camera. First of all, well, it's so white. I didn't know. You can see yourself. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Wow, I, we had that much. <laughs> <laughs> well, we did pregame. There's that. So, so I'm going with some of that uh, grapefruit solar. Oh <laughs> shit! Shout out to t- that. That is that beer right there, bro. Is that is that your hop in that beer? Uh, our cascades in it, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. It's a beautiful beer. Man. Well, so that leads to my next question. Do you have a favorite that's been made with your hops? Favorite beer? Yeah. That's been made with oh, your you put, hops. You put him out there like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, like I ain't throwing you all softballs. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think the one that surprised me the most was, uh, Alma Mater's wet hot beer this year. They use some of our Canuck and some of our Comet and, uh, I think it was a comment, but I'm not for sure. They got some really awesome, like strawberry notes out of it, mm-hmm. and uh, I know I was pleasantly surprised. And I, I think Nick and Michael were too. I, I don't think they saw that coming. So yeah. uh, that was awesome. And um, I mean, that's the best feeling, right? Like when even the brewers that use the hops are like, "Holy shit, those are those are." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's the point, right? Yeah, right. So uh, I don't know. It, that's the coolest part for us is when we get that that just badass feedback, you know, yeah. maybe from a brewer that wasn't really expecting the hops to shine that much. So, uh, yeah, that was probably my favorite from this past year. Was there, was there one kind of early on that just, I guess, gave, kind of gave you that feeling like, yeah, we're doing this and it's going to work. I mean, you know, the brewers first, are using this. Yeah. So, um, 
we're, we've become really good friends with Dusty and Mel at Not Lost because they're in Ottawa, yeah. uh, just yeah. down the street from our farm. And I remember, like, right when we first started, they made a wet hot batch. This was still when they were just home brewing, and uh, it had our Canuck in it. And we didn't know that our Chinook, which we call Canuck, was any different right. at the time. And they were getting these crazy, like, pineapple notes out of it, you know, when they were expecting just, like, dank pine right. herbal, herbal stuff. And it was the only hop they used in the batch. So we knew that it was from our hops and we were just like, man, this is awesome. Like we really have a chance. We know the quality is going to be good. We, we weren't at, at that time. We weren't sure about our yields because they were still pretty low. Right. Uh, that was the first time we were like, okay, we can actually grow good quality hops in Kansas with decent aroma and decent flavor. And so that was kind of like our light bulb moment as far as like, maybe we have a chance at doing something here. I th- Well, I think, you know, just because I've experienced a lot of the beers you did, did you you know, uh, contributed to with the hops, they've all been fabulous. I mean, I don't, I don't, there's, there's not, there's not a one out there because, and let's keep it real, the fresher, the better, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, mean, yeah. And I think it's going to take some time, you know, yes, there are some breweries that have been working with us for five years, but most of our customers, it's only been a year or two. Mm -hmm. And it's been awesome to see them, play with other varieties a little bit, you know, um, to see how our hops intermingle with those. Uh, like I mentioned what Brian was doing at BKS with adding our hops with some Citra and kind of seeing how that goes. Right. And Tony experiments with all kinds of stuff at Windship with really. Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, so yeah, I mean, it's going to, this will be a 20 year process for people to really kind of yeah. dial, dial in and, and see what other hops play well with our hops. Uh, but I mean, that's awesome. There's so much room for experimentation there. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah. So there's a, I don't know, a million different, million, million different beers that you can make with just seven or eight different hop varieties yeah. as far as different additions and, and things like that. Do you have a favorite hop? Uh, that we grow? No, just in general. Um, I've really been liking uh, Sabro lately. Which is, which is not used a lot. Yeah, but it's newer and it's kind of catching on. Uh, yeah. New Belgium uses it in a lot of their IPAs, and yeah. I've been loving everything that they've been putting out. That Mountain Standard, the Hammer Chain, um, for any like mass produced beer, that's usually my go to yeah. from an IPA standpoint because they uh, their quality is just really solid. And it's, you know, I, I try to support the guys that buy hops from us as much as I can, but I can only buy so many like $22 four packs. So, um, <laughs> you know, my wife wants to kill me every other weekend when I come home with like, you know, eight or 10 four packs because she knows how much they cost. Um, so every once in a while, I got to go get a six pack of Odell's to kind of even things out. Right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 I mean, that begs the question, you know, what does your wife think about this whole, you know, this business? And I mean, obviously she grew up, you know, uh, you know, in a farm community in farm family, but. What does she right. think about this? Yeah. So my wife in, in general is a wine, a red wine drinker. Uh, she does enjoy craft beer. And as we've kind of got into this, she enjoys, loves going to breweries and trying new beers. And it's funny now uh, she prefers almost drinking beer over wine. Like I'll come home and she'll be drinking, like I said, one of my $5 and 50 cent double IPAs from <laughs> that I only have, you know, four of. And I'm like, what the hell's going on? You know, but she's like, sorry, it's so good. 
You know how you justify that, right? How's you that? Tell her, you tell her at, if you had a pour at the brewery, it's $6. So we're saving 50 cents. Right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so, now, she's been super supportive, and uh, it's it's really been fun. We've got three little girls, so we take them down to the farm and just letting them run around and kind yeah. of get familiar. It's I awesome. Mean, teaching them about what we're doing. Yeah. You know, it's, it's so different. Most kids that live in the suburbs or the city don't get to see stuff. Never like see that. that. Yeah. Um, Never see that. They don't really know any different. You know, they right. just like, Oh, my dad is a hop farmer. Right. Uh, but I, I hope they appreciate all the, all the hard work that goes into it. And uh, you know, it's, it's just awesome to let them kind of be a part of it. And they're, some of them are getting old enough now where they kind of want to help out a little bit too. So I mean, that's cool. Let, let's keep it real. I'm going to keep it real right now. I've told people, yeah, I, one of my buddies is a hot farmer. They're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so, no, no. I'm riding your coattails, bro. Because no, nobody knows a fucking hot You know a hot farmer? You do now. But before today, you did not. No. That's not even. I do it, remember you going on this field trip, though. It, it's, 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 it's such one of those things that I think that when I posted about us going to the field trip, the beer drinkers. Never think about that component. It's just, it's just one of those things. It's like we don't want to, we don't, we don't want to know how, know how the sausage is made, right? You know what I'm saying? But it's, yeah. it's, it's such, it's such a craft in itself that makes craft beer what it is. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm, and you and I had a conversation the other day. I'm like, man, your place is, is because this place where they are, it's beautiful. It's, it's field trip ready. So, I, yeah, I would bring a tent and just uh, spend a weekend. Well, well, two questions. First, first, are you are you getting field trips yet? Are, are the are the schools still in their buses and kids yet? Whoa. It's all the homebrew clubs. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just the homebrew clubs. Nigel's gonna have them lining up. Down <laughs> you, you, no, no shit. Why? Why? <laughs> I'm gonna have to start charging admission. I mean, I mean, you know what? We can do that. Yeah, people would pay for people pay to go to wineries. For sure. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Um, we've talked about that. We're just we're so limited on time. You know, um, no, I've okay. got it covered. You don't get to do shit about gonna, it. I'm okay. just, just going to show up. <laughs> you, be the two, you be the tour guide. Absolutely. All right. So uh, this is a little bit of a of a sideways question, but are you, are you still making instruments too? Are you still working with your your dad's business? Yep, still doing that. I'm in Lawrence probably three or four days a week. Um, I'm usually on the road on Fridays doing hop deliveries and visiting with our brewery customers and things like that. But the rest of the week, I'm I'm still in Lawrence at the shop building guitars and stuff. Hold on, hold on though. He, he missed out a whole part. I saw somebody's schedule of live artists. Ryan Triggs is on somebody's schedule to perform at a brewery, right? That's right. I play a lot of a uh, lot of live shows as well. Yeah, he, he, he skipped that part, didn't he? Oh uh, yeah, I didn't know he was he was he was a, a you know no. active musician the, as well. The Renaissance man, right here. <laughs> You know, it's just a natural it's our second fit. Renaissance man. Yes, I mean I'm already I'm you know I'm building guitars. I've been playing music for a long time, and then when I started getting into the hop farm, it's like man, I'm I'm at these breweries. They all like having live music out on yes. the patio or whatever. Perfect. So it was just a natural fit, and then it's been really cool because now a lot of places will do like will like dry hop a firkin or something special like that. Yeah, for just that's only available during the show. Uh, so it's been cool to see kind of how that's all taken off as well. That's I mean, awesome. th 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 I mean, to me, it makes perfect sense. They do they do a beer with his hops. He delivers some hops on that day, and then he does a show and he leaves. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> it's like he's like getting all he, that money. 
That's right. There we go. Hey, look, look, you, you have to have multiple revenue channels. For sure. For sure. <laughs> this beer is really nice, by the way. I, I like you know, beer I for ball games. Two, uh, two cream ales in a row. Like two shows in a row. That's really nice. That's a nice beer. This is really good. Well, off collar, off collar is a, it's a nice brewery. So there's that. Are you still drinking the same thing? Oh, you you went uh, to Windshift, didn't you? You're yeah, doing the, to, uh, the, 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 the grapefruit. Yep. Is that I, is that the one I gave you last week? Yes, it is. Oh, look at that. There we go. Look. Uh, Nigel is is the greatest beer friend of all time. I'm yeah. gonna just, I'm gonna say this. There is no more generous beer friend than Nigel. I mean, bearing is sharing. I think sure. I think we have a shirt called uh, on that on on uh, the there, might, there might be a shirt on that one. Yeah. If not, there will be. You want to hear a crazy beer story? So, um, we had we had a guest of, what three months ago, Afro Beer Chick, out of Chicago. I said I sent her some Windshift. I sent her some Diametric. I sent her a bottle of Rieger. She gave me the wrong zip code. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> but you you wouldn't think that would fuck it up, right? Literally, I think that's the most important piece. Actually, is, the is code. it? Yeah, I, that's, that's, it wasn't even close. If it wasn't even close, it was like in a different state. Well, no, it was in the same. It was in the same state. It was in the same city. city. Yeah, right. It was one number off. Literally, she never got it. I got the box back today, two months later. Oh no! <laughs> and still intact. Did you tell her? I sent her a message on Twitter. I was like, yeah. you do not believe this shit. <laughs> oh, there we go. There's a burp right there. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go. Yes, about time. I know. So I've been waiting for it. I'm going to go back to, to, to the music part because I'm wondering, you know, you're, you're farming now. You've been, you've been building instruments with your father. Are there any similarities to the two, two processes? Like, is there anything yeah. that you find that's you know, kind, of, kind of that similar headspace? Yeah, so uh, my dad worked for Gibson Guitars in Nashville for a while. No shit. Wow. I mean, for those that aren't familiar with the music industry, you know, they're like one of the top two or three guitar manufacturers in the world. Yes. Uh, so I equate that with like Budweiser, right? Or Miller Coors. So, oh, oh that, really? <laughs> I mean, I'm just from a, like a number standpoint. Sure, it's, sure, sure, sure. Yeah. It's, yeah. Not necessarily a quality or whatever. But, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Um, so, and then now, you know, at that time they were doing like two to 300 guitars a day. And now we do, you know, one every other week or something like that. So uh, to me, that's a good kind of transition into how craft beer is made. Um, yeah. A lot of small batch, um, a lot of like hands-on kind of, we do a lot of experimental stuff with our guitars and, and uh, a lot of one-off instruments instead of having like, a core like three or four models so i think that's probably another thing with craft breweries and how much they can do experimentation and uh do one-off beer batches and things like that so uh there's a lot of similarities um for me so i've never really thought about that but i guess that's maybe yeah. uh helped draw me to the craft beer industry a little bit it, it, it's, it's a craft yeah right yes uh, so you know you've obviously been around kansas city and you you know you're in the beer community it's it's changed from let's say from 2015 to 2021. Yeah, it's changed. Yes. What what are your thoughts about what's happened in Kansas City? I mean, I know what I feel, but what 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 are your thoughts about it? Okay, so kind of when I was like in college age, I feel like everything was kind of like brew pub, you know. Yeah. I mean, yeah. like I, I started out at Free State, and then 
like when me and all my buddies moved back to Kansas City, it was like we would go to 75th Street Brewery. Yeah, yeah. We'd go down. Um, I'm drawing a blank. The brewery that was in Westport. Uh, McCoy's. Yeah, McCoy's. You yeah, know, we'd yeah, yeah. everything was kind of brew pub, uh, yeah. kind of restaurant focused. So it's been awesome to see just the growth and all these new kind of neighborhood oriented tap rooms yeah. um, come into place. And then in addition to that, just the quality of beer that's being made in Kansas yeah. city, you know, since we, that's, started, that's crazy. since we started growing hops six years ago or whatever, I mean, it's crazy the, yeah. both the quantity and the quality of the beer coming out. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's been mind blowing and, and obviously we got in at a really good time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's just been incredible to watch the the growth uh, from both a quantity and quality standpoint. So you know, let's go to the past the hops. Do you have a style of beer that you gravitate to? Gravitate to? And uh, yeah, I, I I feel like the times I've hung out with you, are like let me get let me get that IPA. <laughs> Is that your jam? That's how I roll, man. I mean, I'm a hop farmer, right? Like, give me all the hops. Uh, okay, that you know, you know, that's fair. Yeah, I mean, I I get to the point sometimes where I get burnt out on IPAs just because, you know, like on Fridays and Saturdays, I want to drink like six or eight beers, right? So I can't drink like eight eight percent double IPAs. You know, I got to mix right. it up. So uh, lately, you know, I like mix it in just like a uh, like a sour or a, like a Mexican lager or something like that, right? Just to kind of like reset my palate you know, throw another four or 5% beer in there so I can maybe get a little further along into the evening. Um, so yeah, but IPA is my go-to, uh, for sure. I mean, that's, that's what I like to drink and that's what the majority of our customers make with our hops. And I try to support those brewers as much as I can. I try to buy as much beer as I can from the breweries that are buying hops from us. So just naturally that tends to be pretty IPA heavy. IPAs. IPS. Nothing wrong with that. So, how many states are you in now? I know we, we talked about this the other day. I know you yeah. you've got a bunch of breweries. Where, where are you at? Okay, so obviously mostly in Kansas and the eastern, or excuse me, western half of Missouri, um, and then we're down in Oklahoma. I think we have maybe six customers in Oklahoma, uh, commercial, and then there's one brewery in Colorado, uh, commercial brewery in Colorado. Let's use some of our hops, but. Probably you know ninety percent of our customers are within two to three hours of our farm. Is is that on purpose because of the freshness? Is that, is that what do you think? Um, just the ease of kind of. I'm I'm really big on FaceTime, right? So I like to get into these breweries. I like to hang out with these guys. I like to find out what they're doing with our hops. What what might not be right about them? What what can we do to improve the quality? So for me, it's it's really important to get in there and like hang out, spend time with these guys and figure out how we can improve what we're doing improve our process. So uh, it just makes it easier the closer to home that is. So I try to keep it to like a two or three hour window. I, I feel like you, you said the IRS calls local four hour drive. Yeah. I feel like man, with the number of breweries growing, just if you drew a four hour yeah, radius yeah. from you, right? Like you could, you could grow just in that region. Oh, oh for sure. there's probably 300 breweries in that. Region. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Just do a circle, right? I know. I mean, because you get you get St. Louis, Des Moines, Lincoln, Omaha, yeah. Yeah. Wichita, Tulsa, yeah, 
you know, all those Springfield, yeah. everything. So, I mean, you, you could probably stretch it and still get Oklahoma city. It's, I mean, it's another 35 yeah. minutes. If I was yeah, driving yeah. fast enough. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so you're at, you're at three, about three acres. Now you said, yeah. Is there, is there room to still grow? Yeah. So yeah. we had, I mean, we have plenty of land at our disposal. Um, if we do want to grow and, we've kind of been having that conversation lately. It's like, okay, we're our qualities there. Our yields are there. The demand is there from the brewing community. Um, you know, do we want to expand? Right. So it's, it's a pretty major uh, capital intense decision. Uh, it takes a lot of money to put in an acre. Just one acre of hops is like 12 to $15,000 just from an infrastructure standpoint. Um, and for it to, like I, like I mentioned earlier, we're kind of maxed out on what we can do on the weekends and in our free time. So we'd have to do enough. So someone was like almost part-time or at least like a half-time job. So we'd probably have to put in at least like five or eight more acres if I had to guess. Um, and I think we could probably do that and probably sell that many hops. But at that point, you know, we'd be relying on farming for income, which is extremely stressful uh, and you know, terrifying just because there's so much that's out of your control from right the weather, nature, the nature. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm like all, all of those entrepreneurial jump off the cliff decisions are hard. I mean, I, I, but I, when you're when you're reliant on Mother Nature, yeah, I, I, I can't imagine that extra dose of anxiety that comes yeah, with. Because I mean, if there was like a 30 second hail storm that came, yeah, through, yeah, it, yeah, it could fuck it, your shit up. It destroy your whole crop. You'd have yeah. nothing. Yeah. Right now, there's no crop insurance available for hops outside of the Pacific Northwest. Really? Really? At least anything that's worthwhile, yeah. So uh, there's a group down at Texas A&M that's working on that right now. Uh, they're hoping that's going to be live for 2022, but it'll most likely be 2023. So, yeah, we're, uh, we're a ways away from that still. So all those things considered, um, we're probably not going to be expanding, at least for the next couple of years. So I'm, hey, I'm just going to tell you. I want to work at the hop farm. I really do. I went, I was so enamored. Nig I was Nigel. That's what I love about Nigel though. Is he loves every part of, of the beer industry, but, and but, he wants but, a piece. But, but that part of it is so unknown. It's like, Oh, you like hops. This is where they come from, bitch. Right. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was it, I, you know, it, it reminds me of my, you know, as, as a kid, I didn't, I didn't work on a farm, but you know, living in England, I, I lived in places that had farms. And so I, I, being in a field and seeing that shit, I was like, I was like a child. I keep referring to the field trip. That was a that was an you're, actual you field trip to the field. Often like a child. Well, no, I'm eight. I'm eight. <laughs> I'm eight years old. I'm almost nine. Hey, get a mystery beer. This you got one more. This is the worst bag ever, though. That bag is this. That's that's. It's not even a bag anymore. It's terrible. Well, there's there's a rip down. The, look, you, you ripped her dress, man. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that. Wind shift. Wind shift. What's on the bottom of that can? What's that say? There's something on the bottom of it. KSV. I don't know what that means. And I probably wrote it. <laughs> <laughs> that does that does look like the Nigel font. Yes. What is that? Um That's my handwriting too. You can't read it. Autumn Purell cider? Um <laughs> Purell. <laughs> no. Uh Autumn something. Punch. It's punch. Autumn punch cider. Sure. Have I ever bought you a cider? I don't, no, think I, I don't think we've had a cider on the show. That's just I fire. Know. Shout out to uh, Kevin Abajan. Um, he makes the ciders at Windshift. He kills them. 
I should have brought you the uh, – so they're doing a, a mojitos cider. Ooh. Yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> Did I give you a taste of that when you were came to came – No, to? that sounds good. Though. I'm going to have to come my, back. My bad, bro. <laughs> <laughs> so bad. what – you, you say you're probably going to wait for expansion, and that all makes a lot of sense. What's what's next as you look as you look kind of the next things for for the farm? Yeah, so I've kind of mentioned this briefly to Nigel the other day. Um, oh, it's, it's hold on, it's, I didn't tell this? him. It's breaking news. Yeah, no one. This knows. is our first. <laughs> this is our first breaking news on the podcast. Um, so we've been kind of working on this concept for about three years. Initially, we were going to do this at the farm. We wanted to have just like a tap room where we could serve all the beers that people are making with our hops. Right. Um, right now there's about 65 breweries that we're supplying to. So <laughs> there's constantly new beers coming out every week yeah. with our hops. We're like, man, it'd be awesome to just get like one or two six barrel kegs from each of these batches and just constantly rotate them through. So um, we've been working on that for a couple of years, decided that the farm's a little too far away from a population base. You know, you don't want people driving an hour, each way from KC come drink a, you know, six, seven beers or whatever. So uh, we've been, we were looking at some property um, in Western Johnson County, which is where I live, where my brother-in-law lives, Nick, who is uh, one of my partners at the farm. And we were going to do this like in three years, we were going to buy some property and then build the suit. But we actually came across a space in Olathe uh, a couple months ago that we fell in love with. So we just recently signed a lease on that about two weeks ago. And we're going to be opening a taproom concept, hopefully by the end of this year. Um, we're going to have a little bit of a, a little nano system on site, do a lot of collabs with our brewery customers, but mostly just feature guest taps uh, from all the breweries that buy hops from us. That's, that is really cool. And what a great branding move for you guys. No, it's, right? it's, a, it's a sick I mean, concept. That is, that is fantastic. He told me that. I was like, yeah, I hate you. <laughs> that's, yeah, a, I mean, that, that's a it's genius good. move. It's going to be a place to just showcase our farm and what we Absolutely. Do, and also a place for us to kind of highlight all of our different customers and maybe offer their beer to people that can't get it yeah. in, yeah, in yeah. Johnson County normally. Because, um, you know, some of our customers either don't distribute or they don't distribute right. KC Metro. So, um, yeah, we're really excited. Um, now I mean, I'm curious, we, do, do you fall under any weird distro rules? Yeah, there when you're trying to get kegs from your your customers. Yeah, so there's some hurdles we're gonna have to to clear. Uh, some of them, you know, don't have a distributor in Johnson County. Some of them don't distribute in Kansas. Some of them don't distribute at all. So uh, there's a couple ways around that. For some of those, we can either do collabs, you know, have invite them to our place and do collabs, right? Or go to their place and do collabs and then split the batch and yeah. move it back to our place. So. Yeah, we got to work around some of that, but uh, the majority of our customers do distribute in our area, so uh, we shouldn't have any problem getting kegs, and we'll probably sell cans and bottles to go to, kind of like a bottle shop. Yeah, type deal. That, what a what a great that's idea. a great guy. I, I, right, right, no, I got I got to know this. What? When 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 can I count? He said the end of the year, bro. Simmer down. No, no, I want a little, well, I'm a little more detail. The end of the year, yeah. <laughs> he wants he wants to he wants to soft opening. You know right? No, yeah, no, no. I just I want I want details, man. Yeah. We're no, we're gonna. I just wanted to give a date, and then we could hold you to it. <laughs> I'm not doing that. Really? I've seen so many breweries do that, you know, and then they're like two years later. Yeah. So, I, I still I still think though your your spot down there in Ottawa, you could still do something like that. But it's yeah. almost like an overnight 
thing. Yeah. Where, Cause you have enough, they have, you know, they've got enough, you got enough acreage where I'm, I'm when I said I was going to bring a tent and spend the night, I wasn't kidding. Nick, yeah, you're, you're going to spend the night in the tent with me. That sounds a little frightening. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Look, you you need your own tent? You don't put on a clown suit or anything, do you? We're going to go uh, catfishing. We're going to go. I got a pond. We're going to go noodling. There you go. We can do that. But you know what I'm saying? Yeah. No, we'll, we'll, it'll be us as a pilot program, and we'll see how well that we'll goes. How, yeah. If either of us die, then you won't yeah. do it. <laughs> I don't know if we have enough insurance for that. <laughs> no, no, no. We're going to sign a waiver. All right. If if if, if you drown in three 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 feet of water, it's your own goddamn fault. <laughs> yeah, this is that's fair. that's rule number one. This is you fair. Don't, don't die. One. Don't die. That's true. Uh, shout out to uh, Kevin Abishan and this uh, autumn punch cider. Autumn Purell cider. It no, that's my writing. <laughs> I know. I'm just gonna tell everybody it's autumn Purell. But it, no, that's that's a terrible. You never know during the pandemic. You know, <laughs> Purell, little splash, little little, little splish splash. So look, thanks for the breaking news, man. Yeah, so I haven't told you the name. We're going to call it Tall Trellis Bruco. Fuck yes. Tall I, have, tall, I love it. I yeah, love it. So talltrellis.com is the website. We're at Tall Trellis on Instagram, Facebook. Oh, it's already it's already cracking. Yep. So uh, I know when I asked you, I know I have like nine days until this airs, right? So <laughs> Yeah, you got not this Friday, but next Friday, right? Okay, so I got to get our our landing page on the website up and all that stuff. Okay, all, all the social media pages are created. I haven't done anything yet with them, but uh, we've locked up all the handles and everything. So yeah, That's it's great. a go. Um, we're gonna do some promo shots at the space. They they've already started doing demo, so it's uh, it's going down. That's bro. That's, that's so cool, man. I mean, this is this is a different story than we've ever had on the podcast. No, you know, I don't, I don't know. Do you, do you know any other? I'm, I'm, I guess you do because you're in the business. You probably know some other hop farmers, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's nothing <laughs> like this in in the region, right? Um, what's what's the closest hop farm to here? Uh, there's a couple other small farms around Kansas City, actually. Uh, really? There's one in Tonganoxie called Porter Valley Hops. And then, well, that's, that's uh, Tonganoxy. Nobody's going there. I know Casual Animal does some stuff with them. Okay. And I think Apex maybe is going to start doing some stuff with them. So, yeah. And then there's a couple other small farms in Kansas, southern Kansas, western Kansas. Um, I'm not sure much about Missouri. There was one called Royal Hops up by Smithville Lake for a okay. while. They're out of business. They were doing some stuff with Boulevard for a couple of years, some wet hop batches, but yeah, I mean, there's really no, there's no huge hop industry around here. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, and then we'll be, you know, as far as having, a, we're also going to have a little small hop yard on site uh, at at the tap room space. Nice. And so people can kind of get a feel for what hops look like and how they grow, and like you were saying, kind of bringing the agriculture and to the education. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, yeah, um, yeah we're really excited. Um, we can't wait to to get it up and running. So. Next year is going to be nuts, but we're ready to take it on. Well, man, this is this has been really cool. I'm I, I'm glad Nigel, you guys got together and you came on because this is a whole different part of the beer world. Yeah, and, I was just going to say we should do like a live live one during harvest. You guys could interview like hell yes. When, when when is that? It'll be in August or early. Yeah, September. we're down. We're so down. So like whoever one of our wet hop customers come pick up hops. Yeah. 
talk about it. You guys could get some footage of the farm and all that kind of stuff. Hell yes. Uh, if you want to do that. We're, we're, I'm going to, I'm going to bring him here the, before that. Cause it's, it's, it's too good of a field trip not to do it. No, well, it, well it, that and Nigel and I are clamoring for field trips right now. Yeah. <laughs> I can tell you said field trip like a hundred times. I mean, I, I mean, I love field trips. Like, I, I don't know about you. Like, I don't know about, I don't know about you, but it's been, it's been like 15 months of, of video interviews. Like I'm ready. Yeah. Let's get out. Yeah. But definitely come down sometime when you're not having to work. Work. Yeah, absolutely. So this ain't, this ain't work, man. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so 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 one one more time, shout out where people people can find you on, on the interwebs. Okay, so Kansas Hop Company is uh Kansashopco.com. We're on uh Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and then uh the new space is called Tall Trellis Bruco. We're it. at talltrellis.com and we are at Tall Trellis on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Uh we'll start posting. We've already kind of started gathering our brewing equipment. And like I said, doing some demos. So we're going to have tons of video footage, uh, photo footage, all that kind of stuff coming soon. I'm so excited to share with everybody what we've got going on. Can't That's fucking awesome. Wait. Where can they find us? You sir? know what? You can have beers with Nigel on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or any of your favorite podcast apps. You can even tell that Alexa. Hey, Alexa, play the beers with Nigel. Now, if you say hey. I tell with, Alexa, hey, all the time. With, hey, Alexa. Actually, actually, what it says, hey, <laughs> Alexa, play the Beers with Nigel really? show. You what? know what else? You've been listening to Beers with Nigel, a show about beer and other stuff. Hosted by Nigel Woodbury and that other guy, Nick Parker. Beers with Nigel is poured for you by Dire Oil Graphics, providing bumper-to-bumper graphic design, promo products, and print services. Find them at direoil.com. Beers with Nigel is a proud member of the Fredcast Network and is available on all of your favorite podcast flavors. Find Beers with Nigel on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and ask Alexa to play the Beers with Nigel podcast.